0: Okay, my name's Ron Cully, I'm Principal Program Product Manager at AWS, and I cover all the directory service topics. We're going to be doing a deep dive on Managed AD, and today what we're going to talk about is first a little bit about what the product is. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the key use cases that exist for using Managed AD. Um, Now, I'm going to use the the term Managed AD here rather than its formal product name. Uh, Product name is AWS Directory Service for Microsoft Active Directory. And I just don't like saying that that many times. Um, We'll be also covering a little bit about the deployment models, whether you're using it as a user directory or a resource forest. Uh, We'll talk about uh, how you install it, administer it, and configure it. And then we're going to go through some of the features, uh, in particular the uh, supported trust models that we have, the security event logging feature that we just recently released, and directory sharing. OK, so let's talk about what managed AD is. This is a uh, two, by default, you get two domain controllers. This is running on Windows 2012 R2. These are dedicated instances for you. Um, when you install them, there is, you have to have your VPC and you know, your account with your VPCs, and what we do at, the AWS, at AWS is we have our own VPC that we create the instances in, and we create an ENI into your directory. The, uh, you can add additional domain controllers to the, in, to the uh, configuration, and that allows you to scale it out in case you have a need for a higher performance, you know, just distributing the load, or if you want to have additional resiliency beyond the base two. Uh, the domain controllers, as I mentioned, are exclusively yours. There's nothing here that's shared. All the data is yours. You control uh, the service. You, you administer both sides of it. And the service has been compliance audited for PCI, HIPAA, SOC, and FedRAMP. So it's already been approved for use in those use cases. So if you have applications that you need to run in that environment, you still have to do all of your normal auditing. And you have to make sure that you're using the directory in a way that that is compliant. But the, uh, the service itself is all ready to go. Now, Amazon does the operational management, which means we do the multiple AZ deployment. We do the patching, the monitoring, the recovery, the instance rotation, snapshots, and restores. So that's what we do, and most all of that is done through automation. Uh, What you'll do as a customer is you'll configure the directory and you'll administer it. Uh, From a configuration standpoint, this is about creating trusts or managing trusts, uh, configuring uh, event logs, how you want those processed. Um, If you want to add... A certificate authority to the system and use it with LDAP-S, you can do that. Uh, you also then administer it in terms of the users, the groups, computer objects, and those things. You use the standard Active Directory uh, domain administration tools that you normally use. There are two editions. We have the standard edition, which has one gigabyte of storage for the directory information table, or the DIT. Uh, The Enterprise Edition has 17 gig. And from a user standpoint, there's no hard limits on this. We don't monitor users or anything like that. But it's approximately about 5,000 employees is the the size that you would want to go to with the Standard Edition. And if you have over 5,000 employees, probably the Enterprise Edition. Let's talk about the use cases here. The first uh, key use case is that you can domain join and manage EC2 instances using group policy in the managed AD. Once you've joined the instances to the directory, you can run traditional AD applications like remote desktop licensing service, uh, .NET applications, SharePoint, SQL Server, certificate servers, anything you can think of that's normally an AD type of an application. There are some applications that may not be compatible with it. You'll want to check a little bit deeper to make sure. Because the directory, uh, we... While we support most of the AD functionality, there are some features that that we can't support right now. As an example, if you're trying to run Exchange, uh, you would not be able to install Exchange on this because of the way that Exchange interacts with the directory and the permissions that are required. But there is a huge number of of AD aware applications that do work with the directory uh, just by running them on domain joined instances. In addition to that, we have some compatible AWS applications and services. As an example, RDS for SQL Server gives you a managed SQL server in the cloud that uh, uses managed AD for authorization purposes. So if you have users that have signed into the directory, then they can go and access SQL Server with their Kerberos tickets, and they get a Windows single sign-on experience when they're using SQL Server apps. Amazon Workspaces is a virtual desktop uh, uh, infrastructure in the cloud that uses managed AD, and so users can sign in with their AD credentials to get to their workspaces. Amazon QuickSight can use the directory to share uh, BI dashboards with people. It will look up the users and groups and you can share that uh, with other users. And then we have some other applications as well. And you can find out a little bit more about those if you go to the awsamazon.com slash directory service website, you'll be able to find out a little bit more information. Um, Just as a a side note, this presentation will be available after the event, so you'll be able to get all of these slides and and have that at your disposal there. All right, um, next, let's talk about user versus resource force models. So many people choose to use the directory as their their user directory, so you can add users to it just like you would with any active directory and create groups and all of that. If you use the directory as your user directory and you want to use it with Office 365, you can do that by installing Azure AD Connect on an EC2 instance that's domain joined, and then that will uh, configure it with pass-through authentication. That will synchronize the users up to Azure AD, and then your Office 365 users can sign in with their Active Directory credentials. If you're more advanced and you want to do SAML federated authentication to applications like Dropbox or Salesforce or GitHub or something like that, then you can install ADFS, AD Federation Services, on an EC2 instance and do that. But as an alternative and probably a little simpler to do, you can install the AWS Single Sign-On Service that provides a, a SAML IDP for you to use in the cloud with these other applications without having to set up SAML infrastructure. What AWS SSO does is it will use managed AD directly for those users, and you don't have to set up that SAML infrastructure. Now, you might look at this and go, well, that's great, except I have my existing Active Directory. I have all my users on premises right now. I'm just trying to find a way of moving some workloads to the cloud, and I want to use my existing AD uh, users. So if you have that situation with your own Active Directory, you might have that Active Directory running in your data center, or you might have a couple of instances of EC2 that are running AD that are part of your on-premises domain. Um, And with that situation, you can create a trust between your existing AD and the managed AD. And that creates a resource force model where you can run traditional AD applications in the cloud or run the compatible AWS applications in the cloud, and they will use the trust to work with the user accounts that exist in your existing AD. Does that make sense? And when you do that type of configuration, you may choose to put a couple of instances of your AD in the cloud and have it replicate so that if there were any kind of disruptions to the Direct Connect or VPN link between your network and the cloud that you still have a complete directory in the cloud to be working with. Now if you're using this kind of a situation and your users are primarily in your on-premises network and you want to work with Office 365, then you would install Azure AD Connect in your on-premises network. It would synchronize the users up to Azure AD and you can sign in. But you could also still use AWS SSO for all of those applications. Now, you'd have to prime Azure AD with the user accounts. So you would want to synchronize the users up there. But you could still use AWS SSO for um, all of the federated authentication to the AWS Management Console uh, to Slack, Atlassian, and Office 365. And you wouldn't have to set up any ADFS infrastructure. All right, let's talk about how you install, administer, and configure the system. Uh, The first thing you have to have, and this is all covered up in a tutorial section we have on the website, but the first thing is you have to have an AWS account. And inside your account, you'll have a VPC. And inside your VPC, you have to have at least two availability zones. And um, So these are different subnets that you're going to have EC2 instances or something else that's running in the cloud. With uh, that in place, then you you may have your corporate data center in place with uh, computers and services running there. You might also have Active Directory running there. And you can optionally create a VPN connection or a Direct Connect link to connect your corporate data center into your uh, VPC. And again, you may have Active Directory on premises uh, that you want to have as part of the solution. With this um, all in place, then what you do is you go in and create the managed AD, which creates two domain controllers with dynamic DNS installed on those. Those two domain controllers exist in a VPC that AWS manages, but they're installed in the same availability zone that you're in. And then what we do is we create elastic network interface connections that go into your VPC. So you see it as just IP endpoints. We also add uh, one security group that's for the directory service that we pre-configure so that it has all the right ports open to talk to the directory. And uh, that exists inside of your account. You have the ability to change that. But you want to be really careful if you change that security group because you can actually break the service if you change the ports in an in incorrect way. So um, now the security groups, they, by default, they come with a 0, 0, slash 0 CIDR block. And you might say, whoa, wait a minute. That lets the internet in. Well, it doesn't really let the internet in. It allows any traffic from within your VPC in. If you allow internet traffic into your VPC, that would be a problem. And that's where you might want to go in and configure the security group to narrow up the CIDR block. But we wanted to make it really easy for you to get running with this so it opens up the CIDR block to receive traffic from anything that shows up in the VPC. Once you have uh, created the directory, there are some best practices that you would want to continue on with to make it easier for you to build on this infrastructure. So the first thing you'd want to do is set up some DHCP option sets to point to the the DNS endpoints of your managed AD. Next, you would want to set up a separate AWS security group, which is the, the firewall for your EC2 instances that will be inside of your VPC. Next, you'll want to have an IAM role that has the policy Amazon EC2 role for SSM. And what that does is it allows you to take advantage of a feature of EC2 called Seamless Domain Join. And what Seamless Domain Join does is that during the creation of your EC2 instance, it will automatically join to the domain. You don't have to do any any other code or manual stuff. You don't have to worry about uh, how do I protect a secret, in the directory that I can use to do the creation of the computer object. So this is just a really quick and easy way to get your EC2 instances up and joined. Uh, You'll need a key pair file, the PEM file. And then what you'll do is you'll install an EC2 Windows instance. Or you could use a, a desktop in your environment if you wanted to. You have to have something that's domain joined to the managed AD. And that's where you're going to run AD administration tools like Active Directory users and computers, sites and services, those kinds of things. Now, when you configure the administrative instance, uh, this is probably more um, review for most all of you, but you'll RDP into the instance. Now, the account you're going to sign in with is the domain that you created when you created your managed AD, and the, Username is A-D-M-I-N. It's admin, not administrator. And that's because uh, AWS preserves the domain administrator account for our use to do the operational management. And uh, so I'll explain how we organize things and how we trade between what we do and what you do in just a moment. So you'll sign in with the admin account that that you gave the credentials for when you created the directory. And then you'll go into the server manager in Windows and um, add group policy management ADDS and ADLDS tools and the DNS server tools. Once those are added, you just want to verify that you have Active Directory Administrative Center, um, Active Directory Domain and Trust, and these other types of of, uh, features. Make sure they're all installed correctly. With that in place, now you're all ready to go. You can administer your users and and, uh, uh, take off and, and go with the product. So it, when you administer things, there's the configuration part of it, which is setting up trusts, um, you know, configuring which AWS applications can use the directory, uh, setting up monitoring, and those kinds of things. That's done through the AWS Directory Service Console. And then for administering users in sites and services, those kinds of things, you can use the AD tools that are running on your Windows instance. Now, as I mentioned, AWS preserves the domain administrator account for our use to do the operational management of the system. And what we do is that after we've created the domain, the domain in this case is example.com. You can see it in like the third item down there. That's the domain. And inside of that domain, we create an organizational unit. And the organizational unit is the same name as your domain. So in this case, its example is the OU. We delegate full administrative control over that OU to you. So you own that and control it. You can add OUs to it. You can add groups, users, computers, group policy. Whatever you want to do, you can do in that OU. The other um, containers that are in there are under AWS's control. Now, when you sign in as the um, admin and you're in Active Directory Users and Computers, if you were to open up the AWS delegated groups, you'll find a number of Active Directory security groups that we've pre-created that have delegated permissions to do most all the administrative functions you would normally think of doing with the domain administrator account, which you don't really need to have domain administrator for. In fact, most, uh, most security people will say don't use Domain Administrator. Go lock that password away. Create a different user account and give the least possible permissions to do the administrative functions. And so we've kind of already set that up for you by creating all of these security groups. And you can add your users to those groups or your groups to those groups and administer who gets, who gets delegated permissions for administration. I'm going to do a quick demo here of... Um, how the service works. All right. I've uh, logged into my account in the cloud, and I'm looking at the AWS Management Console. What I'm going to do is look up directory service, and that takes me to the directory service console. Inside of here, you can see that I have a directory that already exists called example.com, and I'm gonna show you how to set up a new directory. So I click Setup, I select AWS Managed Microsoft AD, click Next. Now, I choose which edition I wanna use. I'm gonna use Standard Edition in this case instead of the uh, Enterprise Edition. I have to provide a fully qualified domain name for the directory I'm creating. In this case, I'll call it reinvent.com. I can set a NetBIOS name if I want to. It's not required, but I can. I can put a description if I want to. And now I'm going to give a password to the admin account that I will use as the owner of this directory. Next, I have to select which VPC I want it in. And I hit the drop-down box. It shows me the VPCs that are available. And then if I wanted to, I could configure subnets of my own and Specify them. If I don't have a preference, I just leave it to default. Click Next. Review my configuration. Click Create Directory. That's all it took to create two domain controllers and a domain in the cloud. That was everything. So you can see that I've got this new directory, reinvent.com, that's being created. It'll take about 40 minutes for the domain controllers to come up. We'll get that all set up and running. And now it'll be available in your uh, VPC. I'm going to go ahead and open up the example.com directory that I created earlier. And you can see that there's a, a, just various information about which VPC and which subnuts it's in. It tells me about um, the DNS addresses right down in here for the because we have dynamic DNS on each of the domain controllers. Um, I can see that it's active and it can tell me when, when I was, it was last updated and the launch time and everything. So that's all there. The, um, If I scroll down, oh, at the top here there's a reset user password. When we create the directory, you specify the password of your admin account. If you were to forget that, you're kind of locked out of your own directory. So we have a reset password function that's available here in the console. You can go in and reset the password of the admin account or any other user account that's in that directory. If we go down a little bit, there are four uh, tabs. The first one is application management. And this is for use when you're using an AWS application like Chime or WorkSpaces or Connect or something like that. You can create a URL endpoint for those applications to use, and you can enable the use of those applications in this directory. The next tab over is the scale and share. And so here I can see that I've got two domain controllers. If I wanted to use more than two domain controllers for either additional resiliency or, uh, higher, transfer, or excuse me, higher transaction rates, then I would edit that. And I could just increase the number of domain controllers. And it'll tell me how much the price change will be on that. Um, if I want to, I can also share the directory. And I'm going to defer the discussion of this until later. I'll talk more about what directory sharing is about. The next thing is the networking and security tab. This is where I would set up any trust relationships that I have with with other Active Directory that I that I'm running. I can also set up IP routes. So uh, some customers will be using public IP addresses inside their private networks. And so rather than us routing that back out to the internet, you set up IP routes and we'll run that back through your VPC so it gets to your on-premises network instead. So that's where you would set up uh, those. We also have log forwarding, and I'll talk about that a little bit later when I talk about how we deal with event logs. And then you can also set up multi-factor authentication. Now in this case, this is not multi-factor for your works, work doc, excuse me, for your workstations. This is for when you're using an AWS application that's accessible from the internet. So we're talking about signing into workspaces from the internet or work docs or WorkMail, Chime, Connect, QuickSight. Any of those applications that I would access from the internet, I can configure this for multi-factor authentication, and when you sign in, then you'll get prompted for the one-time password. If I go to the maintenance tab, this is where I would set up, uh, if I wanted to monitor my directory and get paged or you know, text messages when something went wrong, I can set up SNS topics and uh, get notified on my, on my phone. I also can see that I have uh, snapshots. We take a snapshot of the directory every single day, and we keep up to five of those in the system. You have the ability to take manual snapshots in case you're about to make some kind of a change and you want to get a fresh snapshot, you can keep up to five of those as well. Now, on the snapshots, this is where I would actually do a restore from snapshot. If I wanted to, I would select the snapshot I want and go in here and say restore. I highly recommend that you never do this. What you do instead is call us first. Because every time you restore from snapshot, by definition, you lose data. Because Active Directory is constantly changing. You've got users being added and deleted and permissions changing and all this stuff happening. And when you do a restore to snapshot, you've lost everything up to that last snapshot time. We hopefully can get you taken care of without having to do that as a last resort. It really is a last resort. So before the last resort is call us. The next thing is that we have schema extensions here, and you can actually modify the schema. We're actually the the only managed Active Directory that you can actually change the schema on to support all these different applications. All right, so after I've set up my directory and done that, I can do a seamless domain join with EC2. I'm going to go over to EC2, show you how that works. Uh, I'm going to launch an instance. I'm going to scroll down here and find a Windows Server 2016 base AMI. I'm going to select the free tier here. Instead of doing a review and launch, I'm going to go next to configure. I'm going to select the VPC. It's already selected the VPC that I have. I only have one in this particular account. Um, I'm going to go down here where it says auto assign public IP address, and I'm going to enable that so that I could get to that instance with RDP and, and, uh, and do some things. And then here, uh, where it says Domain Join the Directory, I click on that, and it shows me, here's my reinvent.com directory that's being built right now. I'm going to go ahead and select my example.com directory. And then the next thing is I have to have that role that allows EC2 to automatically create the computer account in my directory. If I don't have that role, I can say, create a new IAM role. And that will take me uh, directly to... Uh, the EC2 role for Simple Systems Manager, and then I could go in and create the permissions and and finish up that role. But I already have a role in place, so I'm going to go back and just select it. It's uh, Seamless Domain Join is the name of my role. And now I do a Review and Launch, and Launch. And that's all i got to do. Select my key pair that I want to use, and... I just launched. I'm going to to skip that part. At that point, it's just going to do a normal EC2 launch. It'll show up, and it will automatically join to the domain. I'm going to go back and pick a EC2 instance that I created previously, and have already joined to the domain, and connect to it. So now it's going to uh, use RDP to connect to the instance. And I'm going to choose Use a Different Account. And here I'm going to specify the name of my domain, which is example, backslash, and ADMIN for the administrator account, Specify my password, OK. All right, that takes me into my instance. And I've got the Active Directory Users and Computers up. This is, you can see this is my domain. I've got the AWS delegated groups. You can see all of these different um, delegations you can do. You can delegate somebody to manage domain name system administration, uh, dynamic host configuration protocol administrators, fine-grained password policies, Kerberos delegator, delegation administrators. So if, if, let's say I'm using SQL Server and I want to use uh, Kerberos constrained um, delegation, then I can set that up in here. Um, I can do terminal server licensing administration if I wanted to run our uh, remote desktop licensing server somewhere on an EC2 instance. So those are all there. And then I've got my OU that I get to control under this admin account where I can add users. And then on these, if I wanted to add people to this, I can just simply click correct, correct properties, uh, go into members, and add members. Now, if I had a trust to my on-premises directory, I would be able to uh, uh, specify my on-premises network and it would prompt me for a password in my on-premises network that gives you permissions to browse that directory, then it can bring in uh, groups from my on-premises network. So what's kind of cool about this is if I already have an administrative infrastructure in place on-premises with users that are in groups that do different administrative functions, all I have to do is take those groups and pop them in here and now my on-premises users can manage this directory from on-premises. All right, so that completes the uh, the demo. Let's go back here. All right, so let's talk about trusts. Uh, how many people here have existing Active Directory on-premises that you want to use in the cloud? Okay, all right. So the trust model is the one you would want to use with Managed AD. Now, we have a product that's called AD Connector, and AD Connector is a proxy that works for the AWS applications that you can sign into in the cloud, like WorkSpaces, WorkDocs, Connect, all those applications. And it can also work for Seamless Domain Join. And it directly interacts with your directory. You don't have to install Managed AD. But if you want to, it, but there, there are some advantages to using Managed AD. One of them is that um, uh, you can use it with RDS SQL Server. That can't be done with, the, uh, with AD Connector. Also, if you want to have a resource force model and manage and create kind of an isolation boundary between your users and your applications in the cloud, then you can install the instances there and use the seamless domain join and have all your EC2 instances. And we also have the ability to share that directory, and we'll talk more about it later, but you can share the directory with all the accounts and VPCs that that you have in a single region, which makes it really simple to configure and set up. So let's talk about how the trust models would work. Uh, suppose you have your on-premises directory, you've got your users and some workloads there. You want to put some workloads up in the cloud. You would create an active directory, a managed AD in the cloud. It's got a different, it's a different forest, completely separate from the one you have on-premises. You might want to create users or maybe not. You have your choice. Next, you would create a trust, and the direction of the trust establishes one side as being the trusting side, the other side being the trusted side. That is important because it defines the direction of access. What this means is that the on-premises users can potentially access resources that are in the cloud. It does not allow the cloud users to access resources on-premises because the direction doesn't allow for that. Now, the users that were on-premises have potential access to the services because they don't get access to the services unless an administrator granted permissions to the resource in the cloud. So you're using the cloud directory, the the, uh, managed AD, for your authorization. And you're using your on-premises directory for your user administration and group management. And unless a user has somehow been granted permissions through the authorizations that you do in Active Directory in the cloud, they won't be able to access resources in the cloud. So let's look and see how this would work with uh, Managed AD. A typical um, AD forest with just a root, that's what a lot of people would aspire to after experimenting with the following. Many people have child directories, uh, may have broken it up around HR, sales, dev, might be geographic, some people regret that and wish they had a flat directory these days, but that's a structure you can have with a, a root and a couple of child. And then if you really are a masochist, you might have done this. I created a tree domain, which has its own root separate from the root of the, of the forest, but it's still part of the forest. And it might have a, a child domain underneath it. Now, if I create a directory, a managed AD in the cloud, it's a single domain forest. So it has a root, a root domain, and it does not allow any ch- child domains at all. Now, I could create a um, forest trust, and in a forest trust, then I am trusting the entire forest, but not the tree domain. It allows me to get to the root and all the children. So, what happens if I don't want to, or if I want to get over to the child or the, the tree domain? I need to either do uh, name suffix routing, or I have to have an external domain trust. Those are the only two options. It turns out that the administration of both of those are pretty much the same. There's there's not a lot of you know from a human. Interaction perspective, there's not a lot of difference. So what we recently added to the system was beyond going forest trusts, we allowed for external domain trusts. So now if with an external domain trust, I can go from the root of the managed AD in the cloud to a single domain over in the other side, which could go directly to the root of my um, tree domain. I could create an additional one to the root of my forest inside my on-premises network, or to maybe one of its child uh, domains. So I can can do that. I could also create a forest trust from managed AD to my forest, and then create a domain trust, external domain trust, to my tree domains. And those would all give you access to the users in the highlighted areas only. So in this particular case, the people that are in x.companyfoo.com in the bottom Uh, right corner, those users would not be able to access resources in the cloud at all. The other users that are highlighted would have potential access subject to the permissions that you give in the cloud. All right, so let's talk about how this looks in terms of applications. Now, There's two application use cases here. There's one which is traditional AD applications that you've you've come to know and love with that that just use IP to get to the domain controllers, and then there's the AWS application. So let's talk about traditional AD aware applications. In this case, I'm gonna use RDS for SQL Server. It creates an instance that has an endpoint in your VPC. It domain joins to the managed AD, And then it uses the trust to your on-premises active directory to authorize access for the users. Now, in this picture, I show the active directory in your on-premises network physically. You might choose to put an instance in your VPC, have it replicate with your on-premises directory so that if anything happens to your direct connector VPN link, you still have a directory in the cloud for managed AD to work with. Um, This is the same picture that it would look like if you had an EC2 instance in your VPC, except uh, that it it would just be an EC2 instance in your availability zone rather than coming in with an ENI. The next use case is the AWS cloud-based applications. This is AWS SSO, WorkSpaces, QuickSight, Chime, Connect, WorkDocs, and WorkMail. And these solutions work differently. They don't talk to AD directly. They actually use an internal API that we have. They do three things. One is they provision users into the application. So if I want to create workspaces, I need to go look up a user in a directory, and then I create the workspace for that user. They perform authentication. So when I go to sign in my workspace, or I want to sign into AWS SSO, It will use the directory to go through and and complete the authentication, but it's doing it through an API that we have. And the last thing is I might want to share information between multiple users and the applications use an internal API to go do the read request in the directory so that they can pick out which groups or users I want to share with. And in that case, it does require a two-way trust rather than one-way trust. And the reason for that is. We have to be able to read your directory to find the users. In this model, we're talking about a resource for us. So there are no users in the cloud. The users are in your directory. In order for us to read it, we need a, a two-way uh, trust. The trust from you to the cloud gives us the read permissions to your directory. But again, we don't have access to your resources. Earlier, we talked about how you only get potential access with the trust. You don't get access unless an administrator grants someone permissions to a resource. The only thing we get through the trust from you to us is the read permissions into the directory so that we can provision users and we can read users to do sharing. From an authentication standpoint, what happens is that the authentication first goes to Managed AD. Managed AD says, I don't know that, I don't know any of these users because you're talking about a domain outside of my domain, but I do have a forest trust with the domain that owns them, and it refers me over there, and then we complete the authentication to your your self managed AD. Does that make sense? All right, let's talk about security event logs. we had a lot of customers that were interested in using the product, and they said, well, we're worried about what happens in that directory. We need a way of looking at it. And you know, we, were, we said, well, gosh, we're PCI compliant, so what we do is we keep a one-year window of your security event log, and if you ever need to look at that for audit purposes, you can give us a call, and we'll get you that log file. And you can also bring up. A Windows instance and use the Event Viewer, and you can take a look at the security event log. And they said, well, that, that's great, but we really need to have near real-time access. We have all kinds of processes that we use internally. We might be using Splunk. We want to be able to look at that. So what we did about a month ago is we released a feature that allows you to forward the security event logs to CloudWatch. And so you go into the networking and security uh, uh, panel in the directory, and you can set up log forwarding. What this does is it, if it's uh, we tried to make this as easy as we could possibly make this. So if we see that you already have a CloudWatch group, log group, then we will default to using that group. If you don't have one, then it defaults to create a new CloudWatch log group, in which case you type in the log group name. And then uh, what we'll do as well is we'll look for a resource policy that we can use that allows us to start logging to that group and if one doesn't exist, then we'll create a resource policy and do that. So it's it's really pretty simple and, and automated to do this. And then once you've set that up, then we start forwarding the event logs, and there's you know maybe a minute or two of, of latency between when the event occurs and when it shows up in CloudWatch. So now you can do things like take Splunk and connect that to your CloudWatch and you can monitor events that are happening in the directory. And that includes not only the events that your users are doing in the directory, but also if for some reason, our automation doesn't do a recovery right on, the, on a domain controller. We might have to log in to, diag- to diagnose that. So we have a kind of a break glass process that we use to create a temporary administrator account. And one of our escalation engineers—there's only a handful of those guys that are in our group—they have a, they can go in and get an account created for them. Managers get involved so that they know that that this is happening, and they sign into the directory, and you can see when they've done that. So you'll know if we've been in there, and you can see what we've done. Directory sharing was another thing that was important to a lot of people. In the past, uh, you couldn't—you you had to have a managed AD in every single VPC where you were doing seamless domain join. Or if you, and if you want to use RDS SQL Server, it had to be in the same VPC. And so a lot of people said, well, you know, I want to be able to have one directory, and I want to share it across all of my accounts and all of my VPCs. And so we created uh, directory sharing. And this, you know, not only are we the only managed AD in the cloud that can do the event forwarding, we're also the only managed AD in the cloud that lets you share one directory across multiple virtual networks. So with this solution, you go in and say, I want to share the directory, and you specify the accounts that you want to share it to. Now, let's talk about what that looks like from a technical standpoint. Normally, you think about Active Directory this way. You've got applications running on EC2 or RDS for SQL Server or WorkSpaces, and they're interacting with the directory through the ENIs that are in the VPC. But uh, you also have applications like Amazon QuickSight, and I talked about how they use an internal API To do their interactions with the directory. Well, it also turns out that EC2 and RDS and Amazon uh, Workspaces also use those APIs to find the directory to, to kick off the processes. And so those APIs exist in the same account where those applications are being installed. If you had a different account in a different VPC with EC2 over there, maybe you uh, create a peering connection or a VPN connection, you would have an IP path to be able to talk to those domain controllers and you can do that today. But you have to manually domain join those instances to the directory because there's no path over on this other side for the EC2 seamless domain join to find the directory and connect to it. So what we did is we created a way of creating a virtual directory. It's just metadata about the directory that exists in the other account. And EC2 can then see, oh, hey, there's a directory. It has a, different, it has a different directory ID than the real directory. But they can see it, and they can attach to it, and it will give them the IP address of the actual domain uh, controllers. And then EC2 knows how to find those and go through and do the seamless domain join process. So using this uh, kind of situation, I can create a shared services VPC where I put my directory, and then I can go and connect other VPCs in the same account to that using VPC peering or VPN connections. As long as I can create an IP path to that shared services VPC, I can use that directory. In addition, if I have other accounts in the same region, I can also create peering connections or VPNs from those VPCs into my shared services VPC, and I can can access the directory from there. Now, today, this currently works with EC2 seamless domain join only. Right now, that's the only solution that works. With RDS SQL Server, uh, currently, you still have to have the directory in the same VPC. Um, Now, when you're doing this, there are a couple of ways of doing the sharing. If you have, how many people have organizations? Okay, In full mode? Okay, So if you're in full mode, if the directory exists in the um, master account and you go to share your directory, it will automatically give you a list of all the accounts that you can share it with. And when you've selected the, the accounts you want to share it with and complete the sharing, it will automatically give that uh, virtual directory into those other accounts. And there's no other interaction required by the other account owners. It's all automatic. It was only a one-way handshake. If the directory is outside of your master account, it's in a child account, then that doesn't work, you have to do a two-way handshake. So in that case, you'll go into the directory, you'll say share the directory with other accounts. You won't see a list of accounts, you'll have to know the ARNs, you'll have to type those in and then say share. And then the account owner that you're sharing it to, they have to go in and they'll see in their directory, it'll say "Uh, directories shared with me and they'll see a couple of directories that are pending and they'll have to approve those to be received. And the reason for the approval is that there is a minor cost to doing sharing because there's some extra networking work that we've got to do and some logging and things like that. So there's a pretty nominal cost to uh, doing the sharing. Makes it a lot easier than installing the directory in every single account, every VPC, though. Now, from a scale standpoint, there's a a limit to what you can do here. Um, And that's the route table entry limit. Uh, Typically, that's about 100 route entries. And so if you have a lot of VPCs in a single region that you're doing this with, then you, you won't be able to go beyond about 100 here. And it will depend upon how many of the route entries in the shared services VPC that you already have in place. All right, so that uh, wraps up. The, the main part of what I wanted to talk to you today, uh, we've got lots of time here, and I want to make sure I answer questions. And you know, AD, there, there's so many different configurations of what networks look like, it's hard to capture those in one slide. So I want to have a lot of interactive dialogue here about your specific needs and what we do. You know, we, we just talked about what managed AD is, you know, the use cases, how to install and administer, the trust models, event logging, and directory sharing. So why don't we go ahead and open it up for questions? Yes, back there. Cross account in this? Yeah, everything. When you're doing the sharing, all of the VPCs and all the accounts are have to be in the same region. We don't have cross region support at this point. Cross to get to cross region, we we would need to have domain controllers in the other region as well that we're replicating with, because that otherwise we wouldn't solve a latency problem. You can still use a directory that way if you wanted to, but it's not, uh, from a sharing standpoint, it won't show up. You'd have to do manual domain joins across region, and there'd be a lot of latency. OK, you another question here? OK, can you do a seamless domain join to the domain that managed AD trusts? Uh, no, that's, uh, we don't have that capability uh, right now. The uh, domain join uh, works because we have permissions in the EC2 SSM that can do the computer account creation. Um, so right now, we don't have that capability. Uh, I think you'd have to modify the SSM doc to modify that. Um yes, that's true. That's true. Questionnaire? Uh when you do this equals to a menu ID and you can set up that role. Does that instance have to be in that role forever or just while you're creating the other It it does it o- during the uh, instance creation is when we use that role. Uh let's see. I think, it, I think it maintains that role, though, which I think that the, the, the one thing it maintains is an S3 bucket uh, that it has to have permissions on. So that, but it does have that role, yes. Another question over here? yeah yeah it, for for the any of the traditional domain joined use cases like RDS SQL server has to be domain joined uh, they require it to be on managed AD because if you join that instance to the on premises directory then any domain administrator in your environment could disrupt their SLA of giving you that as a managed service and so they for for security reasons they wanted to have that that um, boundaries so that they could have self-control of their SLA. So you have to have it on managed AD and have a one-way trust. Yes, currently, yes, that's true. Yeah, here. How does the audit compliance fit with GDPR? The um, That is all... GDPR compliant. We we use the stigs to figure out what we needed to do, and so we've logged all of that stuff, and it's all, all compliant with that. The reason why I'm asking is when you we're not, and everybody access. So who actually has access to the function, right? Well, we can log I would want to get with the, uh, the, our security team who, who handled all of our auditing processes and dive into that one deeper. Uh, maybe we could get together after the session and get, get follow up with email. OK, great. Uh, other questions? Over here? Oh, yeah, we've got several over here. Thank you. Uh, you touched on seamless domain join and the requirement for services like RDS requiring managed AD. Are there other advantages besides those two that you can touch on? To use Managed AD over an AD via the connector, uh, the other advantage, you know, now that we have the uh, sharing, it you only have to have one directory to do the seamless domain join across multiple accounts and VPCs. With AD Connector, you have to have an AD Connector in every single VPC. So now you're managing multiples on those. Um, if you're using uh, with multiple applications like. Uh, workspaces in Chime and Connect, and you have a lot of, of load coming in for authentication purposes, you may end up with multiple AD connectors, one in each account for those, and where, versus using, you know, as we go now, this is going forward, you'll, you'll be able to use one for that. Uh, right now, it's, it's, it's mainly the EC2 seamless domain join is the, is the main benefit, being able to do that with just one directory from all over the place. uh so you mentioned that uh, you're not able to support uh, exchange you know as mm-hmm. as a, having to do with the uh, the schema yeah it it has to do with how ca- how do we go about preparing the directory for exchange it's it's a little bit of the schema but also some of the other container access that it does and so we we're looking for how can we go about doing that um because we can't Exchange takes some pretty high permissions to be able to do the installation, update the, the, prepare the directory, do the schema updates, and we just haven't sorted out how we can do that in the security model that we have where we're the domain admins and you have the OU admin. So it's, it's not that it's technically impossible to do, it's just that we haven't uh, sorted out the work to make Exchange work. What we believe will work and we're looking to test is an Exchange Forest model. And I know it does mean that you'd have an EC2 instance running um, active directory that Exchange is part of, and then you do a trust from the Exchange force to the managed AD, and that would work. Uh, We're we're looking to test that. But we don't have a way right now to install Exchange directly on our domain controllers. Got a Uh, follow-up. Are are there any other uh, schema that are not supported? Is that documented anywhere? Uh, No, we don't. The only only schema uh, change uh, limit that we have is that you can't have an external URL reference. So what happens in the schema update is that you submit an LDIF file to us, and then what we do is check the LDF file and make sure that it doesn't have an external URL reference. Once that's done, then we take a snapshot of the directory to make sure we've got a recovery point if we need it. We take one of the domain controllers out of replication We make that the schema master. We apply the LDIF file to the schema master. In the meantime, your other domain controllers are running and servicing requests, and everything's working fine. Once we apply the LDIF to the domain controller, we make sure that the domain controller still is alive and working. And if it is, then we join it back into the domain replication. And now the changes get replicated to the rest of the systems, and you're you're all in place. If anything happens during the when we apply the LDIF to the domain controller, and the domain controller becomes unresponsive and doesn't work, we just terminate that instance and spin up a new instance, and you're back where you were before you started. If um, everything works well, and you get the replication, and now you've got the new schema in place, if you decided you wanted to go backwards, then you can restore from the snapshot we took immediately before we started the process. But there aren't, we don't have any constraints really. Uh, you know, it's, there, there may be some some things that are deep in the tree, up in the root uh, that you can't change, Um, but for the most part, you can add pretty much any LDF you want to do. Yeah, another question back here. Can we have um, replicated AD in one account and managed AD in a different account, and how would that setup be? Okay, could you repeat that? Replicated AD in... Replicated AD in one account and managed AD in a separate account, and what would that setup look like, and would would it have to stay in one region? Okay, so the... You just have to have a network path, and I'm assuming you're saying you have your self-managed AD running on some EC2 instances that's replicated with your on-premises network, and that's in account A, and then you want to create managed AD in account B, and you want to use the trust between the two accounts. And so in that case, you just have to have a network path that we can find your uh, domain controllers in. So in the other account, you'd have a VPC where managed AD is located, and you'd have to create a, a VPC peering uh, connection or a VPN link between the two VPCs, and then we can create the trust to that uh, domain set of domain controllers. Yeah, another question back over here. Hi, um, if I'm using Office 365 with uh, Managed AD, can I do the full kind of um, self service password resets, all of the, the features? Um, if you're using Managed AD with Office 365, uh, we don't support the, um, the sync, the two way sync that goes on there, so you have to do all of the administration in Managed AD. Uh, to do the other direction requires too high permissions in the Azure AD Connect, and so that's why we recommend the pass-through authentication rather than doing the full uh, synchronization of passwords up to Azure. Oh, yeah, we got one. So you're asking, is there any documentation on how you could create your own self-managed Active Directory that gives you all of the benefits that that we talked about? Um, Well, Some of them, that's just not possible because of the the mechanisms that we had to put in place for our services to work with the directory. So as an example, RDS SQL Server wouldn't be able to work with that. Um, For all of the other applications, you could create your own self-managed AD and use AD Connector, which is a proxy to your directory rather than setting up the trusts. Um, In the AD Connector model, what happens is that you tell AD Connector where your domain controller is and you give it a a user account from that directory that it can use to read your directory and to perform, uh, create computer objects. And so if you're using that, then you don't have to do anything with the trusts, and you can have everything in your active directory. So that means the EC2 instances are joining to your domain controllers, and um, all the authentication for the AWS applications goes directly to your domain controllers. And... It it could work cross-region as long as there's an IP path from AD Connector to your domain controllers, but we wouldn't be able to address the latency... Uh, considerations. If you were to set up domain controllers in two regions, then you could point AD Connector to the closest domain controllers in each of the regions, and that would get rid of the latency problem. Yeah, got another question. Is that answer your questions? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you you would get the seamless domain join function, but you would have to have AD connector in every VPC where you have EC two instances that you want to domain join, because AD connector doesn't have the the sharing capability that managed AD has. Okay, question back there. What's what's the level of effort to move from AD connector to an AWS managed directory? Okay, uh, to move. It, can you tell me a little more about the, what applications and use cases you have with AD Connector? Amazon Connect. It's Connect. I think we would need to get with the Connect team on that one because they, there's, that, that would impact their configuration. We're, we're trying to start out how we do a, a clean migration on that. Right now, we don't have a really simple like push a button and it works. So we would need to talk with the Connect team on how we could make that happen. I, I, I want to have a more of a one-on-one discussion with them. Hi, uh, can you use a third-party identity management system with managed AD, or do you have to put, create all the users manually? Uh, can you use a third-party identity management system with managed AD? It all depends upon what permissions the solution requires to do its job. If it can operate as your OU admin account, then there should work fine. If it requires domain administration or more privileged uh, uh, per- permissions, you could look through the delegated groups and see if those permissions would cover it and just give that account all the permissions it needs in there. Um, but if it requires domain administrator, then that would be a problem. Okay, thank you. RDS for um, directory sharing, you mentioned that it was limited based on which VP. So if it's not in the same VPC, um, you couldn't take advantage of directory sharing. Is that going to change in the future? Um, I can't speak to futures for another team's products. Yeah. Um, what I can say is that uh, RDS use cases were one of the primary requests for why we created directory sharing. Okay. At the moment, with directory sharing, it's limited. So if the RDS instance is in a different account in a different VPC to where uh, the managed AD yeah. account is, you can't, you can't connect the two, could you? Yeah, right now, if, there, if RDS is in a different VPC or account from where the managed AD is, then you can't connect it directly. The solution for that, there's, there's two options you have, basically. One is to move the RDS to where your directory is, and the other one is to create a different managed AD in the account where where RDS is and have it create a trust to the same place. The advantages of putting RDS where the directory is is you only have to have that one trust and everything works, but it doesn't give you some of the benefits of how accounts are managed. In terms of billing and and who can manage things, you have to do some extra work there. The advantage of putting managed AD in your account, where the RDS is, is that you get all the benefits of isolation of the account, but it comes with more cost of the directory and more complexity of having to set up more trusts. Yeah, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another question, back here. So with understanding Active Directory sites and services and SLAs of replication, what is the AWS SLA for replication in the object uh, creation? So for example, if you have a workflow where an object is being joined, but there is a uh, workflow behind to doing other things, like moving it to an OU or anything else, especially when we look at Microsoft Dynamics or doing complex workload deployments, what's the SLA on the replication of the object within the org? Uh, We don't have a published SLA on the object replication that goes on in the directory. The instances are, you know, they're in the two AZs in the same region. From a practical perspective, it's within, you know, like a minute or so. But we don't have a published SLA on that. It's it's pretty quick. There's the 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 replication goes pretty quick there. There, There's not a lot of distance. It, it, It would have it would be affected if you have a high load on the servers. Then it could be affected by that but it's, it's generally pretty fast. We haven't had any, any people complain that there was a, a latency problem on that. Got time for yeah. one more question. Okay. Um, I have a uh, LDAP v3 directory that's uh, managing EC2 instances, um, and it's not Microsoft AD. Uh, could we leverage managed AD to... Uh, do the transition from the third-party LDABs v3 directory? Mm. Because I understood it requires, or I think, uh, Server 2016 has the capability to manage uh, LDABs v3 directories, but not 2012. Yeah, right now, I don't have a good answer for that one. We don't support Kerberos Realm Trust right now. uh, So that wouldn't provide a path of doing something between the two directories. Short of you know more of a manual migration process I can't think of of a good solution on that one right now all right I guess that my time's up we got to clear the room for the next uh, the next group um, if you have other questions I'll pack up and I'll, I can talk to you in the hall thank you very much for coming today